cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Board will face that check. I'm Tomas Kaliani on the board. SP Futures up 18.75. Nasdaq Futures up 55 as the rally continues. Uh, we had a big run up again in the close last night as we obviously have some mutual fund buying. And one of the, one of the greatest tricks in the industry is always to r- front run the mutual fund buying and then run it up on the close. Uh, it's been a trick since I entered the business, for God's sake, Kaliani. So it's a, it's a good one. But uh, yeah. we continue to have, uh, well, in one man's opinion... I'm going to say we continue to have this uh, issue with the Fed that they have two bosses right now, and one is, and you hear it all day long, and I know I, I, I talk about this maybe a little too much, but it's it's absolutely um, true that the the Fed has has two issues right now, and, and one of the issues is, you know, how are they going to, uh, you know, are we, uh, I think, Eliana, you're going to have to call Mr. Brendan. Okay. He's, he's, he's trying to call in and he's having trouble. Okay. Um, I will need his number. I'm going to come to you. So just hang out there and I'll be right there. Well, just hang, I'll hang out right here and you can just come, come here and get it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, for some reason, uh, the, uh, the telephone company is not what the telephone company used to be. We don't seem to understand why that, why that is, but, uh, uh, it is. Um, trying to get 800 numbers. There's an outfit now that actually has all your, all the 800 numbers, not the telephone company. And they're like a hundred dollars a month, which is okay. But then try and get the the eight hundred number to get into your system, and to hunt to your regular number. So if two people call, they can jump to the other. Is absolutely uh, rocket science now. When twenty years ago, when I started <laughs> the radio stuff, that was like the easiest thing in the world. But now, now of course, it is not. I mean, uh, I'm not so sure we're gaining on, on a lot of these things. Anyway, the Fed uh, has has really two masters now, and you hear it if you if you if you listen close. And any, and any, any state, any, uh, any, uh, financial show, you'll, you'll, you'll hear bits and pieces of it all day long. It'll be constantly, somebody will say, well, how does the Fed manage to, to, uh, raise interest rates without disturbing the market? Or how does the Fed get to, you know, get things back to quote interest rate normal or interest rate neutral without disturbing the market? And the answer is, you can't. Okay, you, you absolutely cannot, <laughs> and uh, so you have to choose. Granted, there's a you don't have to take the sledgehammer approach. I mean, I mean, if it was me, I would I would do things in somewhat of a normal pattern. But I would have also started that three years ago or two years ago. I mean, you, you clearly are in a situation now where uh, you know you're, you're you're so. We have Mr. Brendan. Okay, the. Uh, yeah, and, the, and the situation is that the, uh, I mean, we had two weeks ago, we had the market heading south, and we were, we were on our lows for the year. Well, who knows, they'll, they'll be the lows for the year, but they, we were in a bear market for, by most people's estimation. We were down 20% in the QQQ or close to it. And then all of a sudden you have um, a situation where, the, uh, and, and if you look at the, the money supply growth in the month of 
Brennan, how are you? We finally we finally I, have you. Yeah, I've been trying to call in. <laughs> well, the uh, we using the eight hundred number. Uh, I well, it's a number that I've been using forever. <laughs> yeah, I know we were having issues with the uh, phone hunting and pecking, or not hunting and not pecking. Yeah, I was actually checking um, when I went to try to call Brendan myself. Uh, the second channel for Artelos uh, didn't have a dial tone, so whatever that number is associated with, they no one can call. It's a uh, it's a beautiful world, isn't it? Mm. Um, <laughs> anyway, Brendan, I was going through some sort of a, a dissertation here regarding. The Fed having really two masters right now. One is mm -hmm. inflation, which affects, you know, mostly it affects everybody, but mostly affects the, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 percent of the population that, that you and I, <laughs> you're a little more of a one percenter than me, but basically you and I, you and I deal with. And then there's the stock market, which to a certain extent, if people have IRAs and so forth, that they're obviously concerned about it, but other than that, um, it's the, you know, the higher, what is the top 10% of the people on 90% of the market or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. so, and then you have that, you've got that boss as well. So how you manage to, uh, g come back anywhere near normal on interest rates and, and, and fight the inflation bugaboo without disturbing the market. Right now I'm going to say that the, that the, the leader, that the number one boss is still the market. That in the month of January, which is the latest, latest of course numbers you can get from our ridiculous Fed with these money supply numbers, uh, we actually showed a, a, a slowdown in the growth of money supply to four and a half percent on a yearly basis, which is the lowest it's been in a real long time. It was thirteen and a half percent in December, thirteen and a half percent in November, because it's been out of control for really, but going back to two thousand eight, in one man's opinion. Uh, but now, of course, you don't get those numbers anymore, so you have to kind of go back in arrears and see where the hell they were. But now the, uh, so that when the market starts to go down, so sort of in the Fed comes on and starts talking about how hawkish they're going to be, on the last two weeks, Brendan, after they've told, telling people that they're really, they're going to stop their bond buying program, they bought 50, over 50 billion dollars worth of bonds in the last two weeks. So clearly the reaction to the market downturn is more important for that than it is for the inflation because you're sure as hell not going to fight inflation by pouring a hundred billion dollars in a month. So, okay. that, so the question is, I mean, and then it, then it, it bespeaks not that that I'm supposed to be able to, uh, you know, make it easy. The market's not supposed to be easy. But what you don't need is a, is a Fed chairman coming out and say he's going to do one thing, and then tell the people around him he's going to do exactly the opposite, and then have things going. You sit there and wait a minute. How exactly are bonds racing up when the guy's uh, pulling money out of the system and stopping buying them? Because I mean, clearly, some people are getting these numbers. In my mind, and I, you know, I, I, I think you know, I don't know, I, don't, I, I put them all in jail, Brendan. I mean, I, I, I never started out in my life thinking that I want to put people in jail, but this, this is over the top. Uh, it really is over the top. And uh, anyway, in one man's opinion, what, you think I'm crazy on all this stuff, or what? No, I don't think you're crazy. I think you're. Um you're pretty astute in what you're looking for in the information and sharing it with the public. Well, what, uh, what, what's the end of all, of all this? I mean, I, I listened to some people yesterday, and they, they were astounded that the two-year rate is starting to nudge ahead of the 10-year uh, rate. Well, they're, all, they're all real close, right? So, I mean, let me, let me dig those up. They're all real close. So it's hard to even say that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're that, that much different. But the, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've heard in the last couple of days of the idea of this inverted yield curve, right? 
but it, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's yeah. it's very small inverted. I mean, it's at a point where, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's barely there. Okay, the uh, um, matter of fact, I'll, I'll dig the one up from as of yesterday. The uh, well, three twenty eight is the last day we have, which would be yesterday. All right, so you start out at, uh, at where are we? One month, two month, three month, six month, two year, one year. Point one nine, point three six, point five nine, one zero eight, one six nine, two three five, two five five. Then you get a two five four. You get a two five five and a two four six. So the the two five five is the uh, three year, and the uh, and the two four six is the ten year. So it, it's inverted by point nine per, of a percent. Now, really, I mean, is that is that is that newsworthy? I'm going to say no, but I, I will I will ask you this, Brendan. People say, well, "God, how could that be?" Well, I'm going to lob one out at you here and see what what you say. Uh, I'm going to say that you and I have no idea what the policy is going to be over the next ten, twenty, thirty years. Plus, thirty years is kind of a long time for you and me. Uh, but uh, let's just say it. Uh, is. Uh, the uh, <coughs> But one thing I think both of us know for sure is over the next year to two to three, we're going to have inflation, hopefully not higher than 10%, but, but roughly at least eight, probably nine, maybe 10, and maybe worse. Right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of the three year rate being 2.54 to start with, or 2.55, is unconscionable to start with, isn't it? Sure is. Yeah, I agree with you. And the thing is that we're in such uncertain times now, there's no way to really quantify how inflation is going to grow or how quickly it's going to grow or if it's possible to subside by uh, by the middle to end of 2024, which seems to be a key date that a lot of people will be looking at. Well, but it, it's also, we all know, I mean, and there isn't anybody listening to the show, I don't think, that we all know that in the next year, pick pick 10% as your number. Mm-hmm. Right, so if 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 I lend you a hundred bucks, I know for sure that the hundred bucks you're giving me back at the end of the year is going to be worth ninety. Mm-hmm. And I'm a I'm a full loser on that transaction at a two percent rate. Right. So why why first of all why are people doing that? <laughs> I, mean, we, I mean, I guess they have no alternative. But why would people do that? And secondly, why are people? Uh, Incredulous that, that people are trying to get more on, on a one-year, two- or three-year rate. We're still thinking because uh, I think we're still we're still in a situation where we're not sure where things are going to go, and because of that uncertainty, um, and you know, from the Fed standpoint, they have more information than we do. They definitely have more information, and they're balancing different things. And because of that, it's unclear um, what they're really trying to do. Because I think that. Every day when more information comes in, what they said they were going to do yesterday or this morning, won't hold true tomorrow or the next day. Um, why, why, why does it seem like it, it is absolutely perfectly clear what they're trying to do? They're trying to minimize interest rates because the federal government can't afford them. They're trying to mm-hmm. pump. They're trying to pump up asset prices because that's what the rich people want them to do. Uh, the one percent, the one tenth of one percent, who are really their bosses and the banks. The banks love the idea that they're that they're much as they complain that they're getting money for free and charging people twenty five percent on a credit card. Uh-huh. Um, and 
and allegedly fighting inflation. Well, you know what? You can't do all that. They right? can't do both. They can't do everything. That's yeah, I mean, exactly right. They can't do everything. You've got to pick and choose. The problem, I think, is that whichever choice they make, they're going to upset a lot of people. Now, the truth of the matter is, when they're trying to serve multi-masters, they're also hurting and teeing off a lot of people. Um, but it's better to try to say that to try to say that you're trying to serve everybody and do it in an even-handed way than it is to say we're going to pick and choose employment or inflation or something else uh, and go that route uh, at the expense of everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I don't. But what is? I guess who's in charge of these people? Um, who's in charge? I mean, yeah, I mean. I mean, to me, they're they're going way off base with what they're with what they're doing. But I understand why nobody wants a market crash going into a uh, you know going into a midterm election. They got enough trouble as it is. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I get that part, but uh, I also know that they, that they have a job to do, and and that's why just about anybody. I mean, if you read any of the stuff of Milton Friedman and all these people, that that's why the people will say. Uh, you don't you don't want inflation to start because this is the, the the trick bag you put yourself in. It's it's really it, it, it's good for some people and by the way, n- not for most. But it, it's good mm-hmm. for some and in the beginning part, it, it it feels real good. It's like your first beer, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So that's why you don't start it, and now they've started it, and now they don't know what to do about it because, mm-hmm. because it's hard to pull it back. Once, yeah. that, once that horse has left the, the yard, it's really hard to rein it back in. Uh, yeah, I mean, so so what do you, what do you think happens here? I mean, I mean, what, what is the groundswell going to be when this can, stays where it is and keeps getting worse and worse? I mean, people, all they do is talk about gasoline, which 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 you know annoys the hell out of me to be honest with you, because it's been around in hospital. All you have to do is talk to somebody who's, who's who has the Obamacare with the thirteen thousand deductible, um, and. Uh, you know, and and what and their their last their last num their last gig with somebody in the emergency room, and you know, gasoline's nothing compared to that. I, I well, I agree with you. The health costs have gone you know, skyrocketed even more than the gasoline prices have, and have been for years. And that's that's another issue that should be addressed in federal policy, but it's been uncertain for years. Um, and yeah. That's where you get into discussions of what's better for the country, whether it is a form of universal health care to assure that everybody has some kind of adequate health care or not. And that's been around long before the, the inflation problem has been in recent years. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just, I mean, I, I think you and I look at look at what's happening and we see the constant increase in, in medical bills for people and you see the incredible amount of... Uh, Consolidation in these hospitals, and the uh-huh. and the, the bureaucracy that's now in the in the in the industry, and the amount of people getting paid that aren't doctors or nurses, and you and I look at it and we say, God, this 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 can't go on like this, and yet it is relentless. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we remember uh, uh, when Jeff was on a while ago that uh, and he wrote an article about it in Lunchbox. Yeah. About the duopolies and you know, the. The real threat to capitalism is not monopolies because they are deemed to be bad guys if they're monopolists. But if you've got a, a limited number, duopoly or just a handful of, of entities that are uh, dominating the field, that can be worse than a monopoly because it gives the appearance of free capitalism at work, 
but it's really not because you're setting the prices and there's so few of them in competition that there is no competition. And I think that's what we've been for quite some time. Well, you know, you, you're, you're sort of retired, hanging around doing nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, what you could do what you just said is very interesting because uh, in class with a Nobel Prize winner, Dr. Milton Friedman, he said that if he had the time, like if he was a re- retired one percenter kind of attorney sort of dude, with a couple of places to hang in Michigan and places, uh, that he would love to spend some time doing some serious research and just what you talked about, and he was convinced that he would come out with the uh, uh, conclusion, although he didn't want to taint his study, that a uh, monopoly was better than an oligopoly. Mm-hmm. Very interesting proposal. Yeah. When we say an oligopoly, it could be a duopoly, it could be three people, it could be four, but what, mm-hmm. what do you say is the limit on an oligopoly, three or four? Three or four, yeah. But when you look at some of the major industries, you know, you look at the banks, you look at the accounting firms, you look at um, healthcare. It's moving in that direction. That there are fewer and fewer players uh, that are massing more and more healthcare institutions. Is one example. Well, certainly uh, here in Chicago, uh, it, it's scary because that you know they're they, they want to maintain their bottom line. They get a lot of subsidies from the federal government uh, in the form of Medicare and other services, and. Uh, you know, there's less competition, and there's less competition in parts of the country, uh, like out in the, in the country areas, the non-urban areas. Uh, people have to drive an hour or two hours to deliver a baby. Well, if, if you didn't have the, uh, in, in most states, if you didn't have the university healthcare systems kind of at least being somewhat of a steadying rod, I don't know what you'd do. Do you? I mean, if you were in Wisconsin, that, if you didn't have the University of Wisconsin to fall back on, I, I don't know, what would you do? It, it's very difficult, yeah, because the, the small community hospitals and the small nonprofit entities are uh, very few and far between. They're not successful. They, they can't sustain uh, the costs and the services out in the, in the hinterlands. And there's still a lot of people who live away from urban areas, and and their healthcare system is is horrific. Why, why is it? Even, even in the city, there are places where uh, healthcare is unaffordable. I mean, look at look at the area on the south side where Rosen Community Hospital is yeah. in dire and has been for years. Saint Bernard Hospital, Sixty uh, Third Street, uh, and Ellis is another one that's not too far from the University of Chicago Medical Center, but is nowhere near the capacity where the facilities at UFC does. I think that's where I had my tonsils out with St. Bernard's. When I was a little tight. I think I was born in well, How did that go? Well, they're you out. You must have gone okay because you're talking pretty well. They're, they're out. I remember, uh, <laughs> remember you got to eat as much ice cream as you wanted. It's the only good news about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I think I was born in Englewood. How's that for a... Well, there's another example of another hospital. I don't yeah. think Englewood Hospital's even around anymore. I, I think it is. If, is if, it? I... I think it might be if it. I think it got bought by somebody, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not positive, Brennan. But uh, speaking of which, did you have a chance? Uh, you only have a few minutes here. Um, hey, uh, if it's possible, uh, uh, Jeff is not going to be calling in today. We have uh, Nancy talking about mortgages from seven. If you're around at seven thirty, we could use you another half hour because I want to. Uh, if I'm not, you know, um, I was going to ask, did you have a chance to listen to any uh, 
of John stuff yesterday, John, when John Flanagan was at, because I would have, I'm sitting there going, I should have Brendan on here too, because John was going through all about the, first of all, the, he's big on the census, because he was a census taker. Um, mm-hmm. they're just, they're just letting out the, the 1950 census details this week? 72 years they hold that stuff up? I didn't hear that. Yeah, well, it's been all over the radio that, uh, that everybody is, that, that they're, they're finally, uh, redu- you know, letting the, the, uh, what do you call it? the details of the 1950 census out. Where people mm-hmm. lived and how, you know, how many people they had in the family and all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I was somewhere in there, I was, Check out what my family was doing in 1950 before me. See where they lived and everything. Be kind of interesting. But 72 years seems like a while, doesn't it? It sure does. Um, but you know that uh, there are places like Chicago where the 1950 census was the high point of our population. Oh yeah. Well, it was right right before they uh, started building the Dan Ryan, and right. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't wasn't the uh, uh, yeah all, all of the interstates came in in the, the mid 50s. So yes. Wasn't the uh, Dan Ryan the the second biggest uh, people people mover project? How's that for a dumb term? Than any other project other than the Tennessee Valley Authority? I don't know that. I mean, it may, it makes sense because it was a large urban center that was heavily populated, and that was that became the dividing line between the uh, the white part of the city and the black part of the city. Well, it uh, it was. I remember because we. Uh, my grandmother lived at, uh, Thomas, uh, where she lived at 60, 62nd and Wallace. Right, right in Inglewood, right? Back when Inglewood mm-hmm. was, you know, the, probably this, the second most vibrant city other than downtown, part of the city than downtown. Yeah, right? 63rd and Halsted was the, the major shopping center outside of the downtown area. And, uh, you know, the L, well, the L didn't stop there, but it was the second stop from the end. And, uh, we used to take the L downtown all the time. And the, and the L runs right mm-hmm. next to the Ryan. I mean, I was a little kid, but my aunt, my aunt would go, we'd hustle over to Halston, we'd get on the L, and, uh, she, she had her credit card at Carson's. So he, this is, this is a different world. The, the L would stop, or it, it was a subway, and you get off at, uh, the hell did you get off at? Not at, um, uh. You get off at Madison and Monroe. Yeah, you get off at Monroe, and, and you walk right up the flight of steps, and you walk right into the basement of Carson's. Right? Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you imagine now having an open part of your store to the red line? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think you would, would you? I mean, uh. I don't think you would either. So, but you walk right in. Yeah, and, uh, well, Fields was the same way. Yeah. Fields had an entrance in there too. And, and Fields also had a, uh, uh, a bridge right to the L in the, one of the second floor of Fields, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all these places, it's back when you could sort of trust people. I mean, uh, so anyway, we'd, we'd go down and I remember, even I was, God, I was real young. I, could, I remember, uh, the L was nothing but houses. You went down alleys and nothing but one porch after porch. And it was neat at night, Brennan, because the sparks from the from the wheels would, would light up, or not the wheels, from the collectors would light up the uh, the back porches of all the houses. Right, so mm-hmm. it was pretty neat when you went by and watched all the, the, the electric light hitting on all these places. And uh, all of a sudden, one year, you always see you see all these houses coming down, and then the next year you see this big ditch, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get, you got an expressway. And you're like, oh, oops. Uh, we were talking about that. Plus, uh, if, if you, you can make it back in, what, what about the population, uh, the population drain? And, you know, this is in the news. This is not, uh, all the black aldermen want to keep all their all-the-manic spots, even though that's where a lot of the people are leaving. Yeah. I find that interesting. 
that um, you know the the black population has dropped considerably, and so it's the largest drop. The Asians is the biggest leader, and yet um, the blacks you know, don't. And I, I think it's a, it, interesting how there's a, an assumed homogeneity of people that if you have majority export, black, white, Latino, whatever, that they're automatically going to vote for uh, a person of their race. And so, therefore, the population should represent that if the, if the city is a third black, a third Latino, and a, a third white, that you should have, what, 16 uh, of each white, Latino, and black aldermen. And then we get the one Asian in there because that's another part of the, of the city's demographics. Um, it seems interesting to me that you just kind of assume that is going to happen. But it is interesting that with the total loss of, of the black population that there's an assistance that the disproportionality uh, remains for the number of black aldermen in the city. Well, if, um, if you were... Uh, for years, they were talking the other way, that, you know, that they were the ones who were being disenfranchised and should have more based on the population. Who is it that said it's all a question of whose axe is being gored? I mean, if, you're, if you're an alderman and you've got nobody left in your in your ward, Brandon, I'm say you still want to be an alderman. Mm-hmm. But the, did you... Uh, one of the, the incredible... Uh, we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, one of the incredible statistics to me is 120,000 people left in 2021 or whatever it was. Only 5,000 people moved in. With all the universities we have here, how in the hell can you only get 5,000 people move into the city in a year? With people graduating law school, business school, and everything, what, they all just blew smoke out their ass when they leave or what? Well, I think what happened is that with the pandemic, so many people were working from home and remotely. They didn't have to come into the downtown area to work or to offices in the city. They're also able to work from uh, other, not only suburban communities, but outside of the, the urban area completely. And they didn't buy the, you know, they didn't get the young kids out of college buying apartments or renting apartments in the Loop area or River North or even in Lakeview. Um, All right, well, Brennan, we got a dash. We're going we to hear from you later. I'll try to. I'll try to call back in 730. All right, thanks, bud. SB Futures up 15. NASA Futures up 42. Be right back, Mr. Joel and Karen. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, thanks, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom on the board. SP futures up 1350. Nasdaq futures up 30, so not a little bit from where they were, Eliani, but still up, up. Dow futures up 134. Individual stocks in the Dow. Uh, we've got Chevron Texaco up a dollar sixty-three as well as bouncing a little bit. American Express up one twenty-one. We've got McDonald's up two bucks and uh, Salesforce up seventy-three cents. So nothing crazy, but everything kind of sneaking to the upside like it did yesterday. Over in Europe, we've got uh, DAX up two seventy-five. Uh, that's one point nine percent. Everybody's very convinced that uh, Ukraine-Russia talks might actually bring some uh, fruition here. They're in Turkey. And uh, the gentleman at Turkey uh, that runs Turkey uh, has been somewhat of an ally to both sides. So there was kind of hoping here today. FTSE up 98, 1.3%. CAC round up 148, 2.2. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 308. That's 1.1%. Shanghai down 10.3. Hang Seng up 242. That's 1.1. Um, so uh, Hang Seng is trying to make a bounce back. I mean, they've been down huge in the last year, but they are... Uh, um, Anyway, they're trying to make a run to back to normalcy here a little bit. Yesterday, Dow was up 94, S&P up 32, NASDAQ up 185. So it was a 1.3% day on the, on the, on the NASDAQ. Uh, bonds up two, two basis points, 2.50 exactly. Uh, blend up 10, up 10 to 0.69. So their blend has gone from like minus 0.2, I'm going to say in the last 10 to 12 weeks to positive 0.7. So I think they're a long way from being below zero over there. 
Uh, Japan uh, unchanged at 0.26. We got oil bouncing at 144 to 107.40. Rent up a dollar seventy, one fourteen eighteen. Natural gas down fourteen cents, five thirty nine. Our bob up six cents, three twenty eight. As the Saudis said, they were just going to be all business, no politics involved in oil pricing. Eliani, is there such a thing as no politics involved in oil pricing ever? No. I mean, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a lot of bull <laughs> if I've ever heard it. Yep. Uh, gold down 28 bucks, 1916, silver 1900, silver down 44 cents, 2475. Silver continues to have a massive range, oh, I mean, a massive back and forth within a range from about 2350 to 25 and a quarter. Copper up 2 cents, 474. And we have, uh, a crypto, we got Bitcoin down 377, 47,643. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Chief. Currently 6.36 a.m. on March 29th. Let's start with sports. In the NBA, Bulls lose to Knicks last night, 104-109. Blackhawks lose to the Sabres. Going on to hockey now, sorry. Blackhawks lose to the Sabres 5-6. And Coyotes get destroyed by the Oilers last night, 1-6. Looking at weather this morning in Chicago, currently cloudy, 29. Look forward to some rain later in the day with a high of 42, low of 29. And in Phoenix, currently cloudy. Also a rainy day for people in Phoenix with a high of 68 and a low of 55. Traffic this morning, not too shabby. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Central. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 North Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Traffic eastbound on 94 between West North Avenue and Canalport. Intermittent traffic westbound on 94 between 130th and uh, West Marquette. And again, between 47th and West Division. Finally, traffic northbound on 55 between Route 12 and South Damon. And that's all I have for you, Chief. The uh, You're getting close to being Angelica. They always lose. Who cares? What <laughs> right. well, the Hawks are really, ever since they got rid of the, they sold, it, sold they uh, got rid of the goalie at the trade deadline. Yeah, they're deadline. getting wrecked. Yeah, they're getting clobbered. We have Mr. Kenny. We do. How are you, buddy? Uh, how are things so fired? You know, we're doing okay. I, uh um, it's been cold here, but uh, not horrible. I was out at a decent Italian restaurant last night with a client. It was kind of fun. Uh, it was actually pretty full on a Monday night up at uh, near O'Hare Carlucci's. Uh, you ever been there, Eliani? It's pretty good. Oh, no, actually. I've only been in Chicago a couple of times. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't for me. <laughs> no, the uh, yeah, it was a uh, no, it was a you know, it was a decent. A lot of guys that uh, are nearing their fiftieth uh, anniversary at Notre Dame, and they're, they're putting the they're, they have the every five year reunion stuff, so they're yeah. <laughs> kind of going through the list of the guys that are still alive and dead. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not, the, not the best thing, but the, you, you do have, you do have a few missing by the time you get to uh, fifty years. Uh, let's put it that way. Those guys are you know, older than me, but um, interesting group. Uh, yeah, you know, and, uh, and and you know, successful people and uh, kids are going there and all that kind of stuff. Even grandkids now, so it's you know, it's it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, the, uh, I've been talking about some of the different ways you can give money to uh, universities now. And one of one of the systems, I didn't fully understand it, but uh, one of these days we have somebody on and talk about it and how you can actually uh, give stock to a, a place, and they and they pay you for the next several years because they use your stock in their in their in, endowment. I mean, I, I didn't really fully understand the whole thing, but it's it's pretty interesting. And you get a full write off, um, and but then what they, do you mean they what do you mean they pay you? What are they, you're donating the stock to them. What do you mean they pay you? They, you, you become part of the uh, endowment, so and the uh, they pay you six percent interest and and whatever it is you gave them, and it isn't for like really, it isn't for like ten or fifteen years where it becomes totally theirs. 
Oh wow! I didn't, yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and uh, find out the scoop on it because I think you and I. I mean, it'd be fun. You and I, we could talk about it one day. I'll, I'll send you the stuff. We can both read it and try and make a stab at explaining it. But it's uh, yeah, it's interesting, and uh, it it works out really well for people who have uh, maybe stock options uh, that at a really yeah. really low basis, to where the you know the entire thing would be capital gains, especially if you're in a state. Aren't, aren't there a few states like California where there's no such thing as a capital gain? It's all ordinary income. I, I think. Uh, I, I don't know that. Is that true in California? You wouldn't surprise I, me. I think there's no no such thing as a long term capital gain in California, yeah. and, and everything's ordinary income. But you get to, you get to write the whole thing off as uh, as ordinary, and uh, so you you write off the the entire basis, uh, or not the basis. You get to write off the whole gift. Is ordinary income, then you get income from the school uh, for a while as as it transitions over to being totally theirs. I mean, there's a name for it. Sounded fascinating, but of course we're we're talking about a million other things. So I just got bits and pieces of it. But um, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't have like a million dollars worth of stock to give somebody. But but if right. I did, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Especially if you happen to be if that's the year where you got some huge bonus at work for like a million bucks if you're in some law firm or something. Be nice to match one yeah. up against the other and still get paid for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, what the what what is uh? And we're going to have uh, Nancy on in a bit uh, talk about what's going on in the uh, the mortgage world as these rates are racketing up. Um, here we're seeing, uh, you know, uh, with my significant other Audrey. I mean, you're you're seeing an absolute race to the finish on some of these houses. But uh, I've also heard from my my mortgage service buddies that. Uh, they know people that did you know thirty mortgages in January and twenty in February, and they're they're pushing. We're lucky to do ten in March. Is that is 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 it is that what's happening down in your neck of the woods, or are they still making the money? Well, cash? you know, it's, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the people that are buying like West Palm Beach and Jupiter, and it's just exploding. Number one, but what you're getting down here, as I talked to uh, as I talked to the mortgage broker, because I just bought a place actually I'm buying a place in May, but. I'm in the middle of doing that right now. But what you're finding out from here is that a lot of people are coming down here and just they're selling what they have up north and they just come down and pay cash. So there's a lot of transactions, but not necessarily a lot of mortgages being written because they're just paying cash and being done with it. The ones that are getting a mortgage, though, he has seen a marked slowdown in uh, in the mortgages that he's writing. And he's, you know, he's seen a marked slowdown in the refi. So uh, it's interesting, but I'm not surprised because, look, rates that Conforming money, which is I think six hundred forty-seven thousand dollars, is now four and a half percent on thirty-year mortgage. Right? Yeah. I mean, a month and a half ago, it was it was just over three percent. And if rates go up at the rate they say they're going up, mortgages are going to be six percent before before the fall. And that's going to be a real schooling for a lot of people who you know thought that you and I didn't know what we were talking about when we said be careful because yeah. you know the story's going to change very quickly. Well, all it has to do is happen to you once, Kenny. And when I got a bridge loan at eight, and, and eight months later it was fourteen, it only had, yeah. that wound only has to come into you once, and you remember it. Let's let's put yeah. it that way. No, absolutely. You know, when I was I was lucky enough to get it on the way down. Right, the first house I bought had a fourteen and a half percent mortgage on it, um, and then it did nothing but go down from there because I bought my house in in eighty. Uh, I bought my house in eighty four, the very first one I bought. And interest rate, that was after Paul Volcker, you know, when interest rates were 21%. And then he, in 82, when he started cutting rates, 
rates started coming down. And so I got my first movie to 14.5%, and then ultimately, um, you know, by the time I bought that, like, sold that one, I bought the second house, the mortgages were down like 4.5% where they were for a long time, you know. But I'm going to say you made a lot of money on that first house. Uh, that was funny. I did, I'm not, yeah, I made, I made 100% of my money. I paid 249000 for it. It was a three-bedroom uh, Williamsburg Colonial, three bedroom, two and a half, uh, two and a half bath on a quarter of an acre of land in Tarrytown, New York. I paid two hundred forty nine thousand dollars for it in April of nineteen eighty four, and I lived in it until two thousand, and I sold it for five hundred and five hundred and I think it was five hundred ten thousand bucks. So I mean, I, I mean, I basically doubled my money, so it was fine. I'm not complaining, um, but it was interesting, you know. It was a, it was it was just an interesting time. Well, it's. It just goes to show you, Kenny, that 99% of the world will tell you that the best time to buy a house is when the mortgage rates are low. And you, and yeah. I know, you and I know that's flat-ass wrong. <laughs> well, time. because what's going to happen is, if, like, even in my case, right, so I'm buying this house now, I've got a, basically a, a low enough mortgage rate, higher than what they've been, but certainly relatively low in comparison. But you have to ride out the cycle, right, because rates are going to go up and housing prices are going to come down. It's just it's Econ 101. But, you know, I had to lock it in. I need You need a place to live, so what are you going to do, right? Well, um, that's the thing. Your, your timing is the timing is not really your own. I mean, you get out of college. Right, exactly. You the know, timing is not my own. You, you, yeah, you know, it was so funny because because when, when we moved to Florida three years ago, pre-COVID, you know, I dragged my wife down kicking and screaming because she's a, you know, hardcore New Yorker. And, uh, and so, you know, she wasn't sure. What if I don't like it? Blah, blah. So I said to her, okay, look. We'll rent for a couple of years. We'll feel it out. We'll see what we like or don't like about it. And if you're really that miserable, we'll come back to New York. So I locked myself into a three-year rental. Beautiful. Right on the water. Gave us time to think about it. Gave us time to, you know, to, 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 to feel what we really wanted or liked or whatever. And then COVID hit and prices went through the goddamn roof. I, 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 bl- <laughs> I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out of my rental. Um, and so I had to sit there and watch it all happen all around me, uh, and that's it. But yeah, listen, it is what it is. Well, but I mean, you, you know? had to, you had to, you had the spot for the sixty foot yacht. I don't want yeah, the spot for the sixty foot yacht in my dream. I tell you, that's another thing. I, I I belong to the go, to the boat club, so when I want a boat, I go over there and I rent it for three four hours. I drive it. Thank you very much. I return it. Goodbye. I don't have to watch it, manage it, maintain it. Nothing. Well, you got to fill it up. Okay, so you fill it up, yeah. yeah but, that's, but filling it up is one thing. Having to maintain it because you know what it's like. You have a boat; it sits there every time you go to use it. There's something that's wrong with it. Oh, God, something yeah. that doesn't work, right? I go, I'm not because I've worked with boats as a kid down in Cape Cod, right? So I get it. But um, I was at this point right now. I'm uh, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the boat club. It's just easier. I have a I have a range of boats you can go out and rent. If you rent anything over 35 foot, you got to have a captain, which is fine by me, because I'd rather have somebody else responsible for a 35 or 40 foot boat while I sit back and enjoy the day. You mean if you go out and buy one forty feet, you can't drive it? No, no, I could. I'm just saying that I don't necessarily, when I'm renting it. Oh, okay, when you rent it, all right. And I got my kids, and I got family, and I got whoever on the boat. I'd rather let, let somebody else drive it. I'd rather entertain and enjoy myself. Well, if you're going to go out there and get trashed, I'd rather have a captain, too. Let, let, take care of it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the, the intercoastal can be very funny. If you're not paying attention, you, you know, you're going you're to hit a lot of mud. You're going to do a lot of damage. But, well, uh, or, you know, I love being out in the ocean, but uh, 
yeah, you know, sometimes. I was out with, uh, I was out with Dr. J, Dr. J one night, real quick story, and we we're in Lake Michigan, we went out to see the fireworks. You know, yeah. everybody, everybody out there is bleep faced, right? Uh, you know, we weren't, I was, you know, and, and John, of course, uh, <laughs> you had this two engine, you know, 30 foot, uh, sea ray or something, right? So I'm, I'm driving, I don't know what the hell he was doing. And, uh, of course, one engine's running a little warm, so we're only on one engine. Right. And, and, and those things, if you're not going very fast, the rudder's useless. You gotta use the engines to turn them, right? Right. And, uh, right. So there's, we're, we're going right, going right by the locks here in Chicago, and I see this boat over to the right. He's way over to the right. He's not bogging, bothering me. And, uh, so there's a sailboat to my left. The guy looked like he was trashed. So I'm, I'm keeping my eye on him, and all of a sudden, the big, the bigger boat must have realized that they went past the lock, and they turned it right, heading right toward it. All of a sudden, they're right in front of us. And, the, the, the rudder won't work because I'm not going fast enough. And I couldn't, I couldn't use the other motor to put one in reverse and forward to spin it that way. I'm sitting there, what do I do? And plus the weird part, everybody on the boat, they had like 10, 15 people on it. They come running over to my side to look and see what's going to happen when I run into them. And, right. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking all those guys are going to be in the water. So I put it in reverse in the one engine and, and rev it up. And it was like a slow motion movie. Well, well, Jan, you know, Jan came up where the hell he was doing up on the, by the front, and he went went to the nose or the bow just in time to where I I backed it up enough to where he was able to just push us off. And, yeah. and, and this and this trash captain starts yelling at me, and I'm going, "What are you doing? You turned right in front of two people, you idiot!" And by the way, stop right. drinking when you got twenty people on the boat. I mean, uh, anyway, but it was I'm like, I, I had enough. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, how many people? Would you, with those things, all these people are out there when uh, like a, a fireworks show. It's a zoo. Plus, they had one of those big guys. We we were we were steady, but they had one of those m- monster like uh, big dinner boats. It looks like an ocean liner. One of those things. We have weddings on them and all yep. that stuff. The guy yep. kept guy kept drifting over to us, right? Like he was. Then I'd, I'd hit the horn, and all of a sudden he put on his maneuvering thrusters. He'd back away, then he'd drift right back at us. I'm going, what is with this guy? <laughs> Anyway, I did not enjoy the fireworks show. Let's put it that way. With all the idiots that were out there, just so, so I get the idea about having a captain. Hey, uh, what uh, what is going on with your, your your favorite guys at the at the Fed, and and why are why were the group? Of, I don't see why. The, I think you're more on Fox now, but I look at the people on CNBC. They were incredulous that they think this uh, yield curve is turning a little bit, Kenny. Why would anybody give anybody money for two years at two and a half percent? For God's sake, when well, you know, for two years we're going to have inflation. I mean, we can debate four or five or six, but anybody doesn't think this is going to be over in two. Do you? No, I don't think it's going to be over in two at all. No, um, and I think you know, you know how I feel. I think it's going to get. I think it's going to get much uglier before it gets better, which is contrary to what a lot of other people seem to think. You know that uh, that it's going to ebb and it's going to ebb. I don't think it's going to ebb at all this summer, uh, and I think the market knows that, right? I think what's interesting, did you see the Citibank commentary yesterday? I did not. What are They're they calling for four 50 basis point rate hikes for the next four meetings. So that's May, June, July, and September, which brings us to two and a quarter by September, which is you know well ahead of where we were supposed to be at year-end at like 175 to 2, and they still have two more meetings, November and December, to see if, if they need to do more. So it's interesting. It didn't get a lot of it didn't get a lot of press yesterday, and I'm curious why. But we got three Fed presidents speaking today, tomorrow, and Thursday, right? You got 
you got uh, Tommy Barker, you got the guy from, uh, uh, you got uh, Patty Harkins, and then you got Johnny Williams from New York on Thursday. And I think investors are going to pay very, very close attention to what they say. Are they are they mimicking the Citibank commentary? Are they ignoring it completely? Are they are they alluding to it to test the market? Let Citibank do the dirty work. Let Citibank put the idea out there, and then if, if the market has a bad reaction, the Fed can always back off and say that wasn't us. That was Citibank. That's not. That's not the. No one says that's what we're going to do. But yet, if the market seems to be okay, and the, and the Fed can then uh, align themselves and say, okay, because I think that's what they're going to have to do. I think they're going to have to get aggressive, right? More aggressive than what they're letting on. Um, I was ranting earlier. I mean, you probably were smart enough to not listen, but I think that right now, if you were to if you were to put the you know the screws under the fingernails of uh, Jerome Powell, which maybe he could use, by the way. Uh, I'm going to say that the stock market is still a bigger boss to them than inflation, because I don't know if you checked out. You have to you have to really keep your eye on it. The money supply growth in January was down to four and a half percent on an annual basis, which is as low as it's been in a real long time. And and I'm sure you obviously you noticed that the market started to slide in, in February pretty good, right? Late February. Yeah. And yeah. immediately, and when the market went down, now the last two weeks. We've seen the balance sheet back up $52 billion. So the minute they saw the market going down, they poured more money in. I don't know how you can be, you can have both of those bosses, Kenny. And right now I think the the, the, the bigger boss is the market. Yeah, no, I, and I agree. I'm not suggesting that they're not necessarily concerned about it. But i got to tell you, at some point, I, I think they're going to they're gonna be forced to have to make a decision uh, whether they're going to worry more about the market or worry about more, uh, worry about inflation more. And I think that's going to be the crux where you'll see uh, the volatility come once again. Because I, I, I don't see how much longer they can just let, they can ignore inflation and be worried about the market. I don't see how they justify that when people are going to start screaming about everything they buy. It's almost every week it's going up and up and up in price, right? Well, the one difference is the person screaming about his gas and his food the Fed doesn't even know he exists and doesn't care. Right. The person right. who's going who's gonna to complain about their, the the market down is somebody who they obviously care very much about. It's. I'm, I'm going to say, Kenny, that they will not let the market drop until at least after the midterm, and by that time, right. by that time, inflation is going to be thirteen to sixteen percent, and it's going to be worse than any time during the seventies and eighties. Listen, if inflation is 13 or 15 percent, that is a worse than it was in the late 70s. So I think inflation topped out at 13. Didn't it top out at just below 13 percent? I was going to say 12 and three quarters, somewhere in there. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So if that's the case, though, remember, inflation was running at, say, 13 percent rounded out. Interest rates are 21 percent. Yeah. Right? So for anyone, in, you know, the funny part about it is you and I have been talking about this, and people, when I started saying this last, you know, November, that be careful, it's going to be 1970, people were, people were just slamming me on Twitter. I didn't know what I was talking about. I was a dinosaur this time. It's different. You don't get it. You know, calling me an old man, all that shit. I'm like, really? You're laughing. I'm like, okay, watch what happens. Well, Kenny, just because you're a dinosaur doesn't mean you're not right once in a while. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you, right? <laughs> but I don't. I, well, you know, what, what, let me ask you this to make it even worse here, which I don't. You know, what do you think the number really is? 
Which number? Inflation. Oh, inflation. I think inflation, I honestly think that inflation, well, I think the CPI number is much closer to 10% than they're letting on. And I think the PPI number uh, is closer to 12%. So I think the CPI is probably pushing 9 plus right now. Right now they're telling us it's 8%. I think they're off by about 2 percentage points. Well, no, they're they're telling us it's 8% year over year. But if you take the the 0.8 for the one month and multiply it by 12, you're you're 9.6. 9.6. Yeah, right. Yeah, but they expect, right. But what they're saying is, yeah, you could do it that way. But, you know, they keep telling us, no, 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 it's going to come down, it's going to come down. So, therefore, it's not going to run at 9.6%, right? Well, I'm going to wait. I think, no, but I think it is, and I think it's only going to get worse, which means, you know, we're going at 10 or 11%. I'm going to say we're way above that right now, and the reason why I say that is uh, everybody everybody knows, or everything you read, but I don't know, I read this stuff, everybody everybody has housing and rents up somewhere between 11 and 13% in the last year, countrywide, correct? Yep. The, and the CPI, that number is 25 or 3. So if you make that adjustment, and that's 24% of the basket, that adds another... So it, it adds another nine percent times point two five. So let's say another another two and a half percent right there. And if you and if you were to to take the hospitalization part and make it twenty percent of the basket instead of seven, and go back a couple of years, I'm going to say we're we're easily if you if you put the housing in properly, we're easily at eleven and a half to fourteen right now, right now. Worse than worse than any time during the seventies. Well, if we're there right now, we're actually worse than any time during the seventies, which means the Fed is way behind, way behind uh, the curve of the eight ball completely. Right. Well, right. I mean, uh, what they've done the last two weeks is is expansionary. It's not contractionary. It's not even neutral. Right. But they got the market back up. I mean, look what's happening in the market. I mean, the money was. You think at least they'd learned by now that. The money they pour in doesn't help you and me or the listeners. What do you, what percentage of that money do you think goes right in the market? 80%? Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the, you know, the market, your point, we're much closer to the high. 4,800 was the all time high. Yeah. We just busted up and through resistance. My sense is now the algo is going to kick in. And if you get any sense of movement in Ukraine, if, if they get to a ceasefire or some kind of an agreement, the market will rip higher just as a reaction, and then you know we'll settle down. But so, so I think the market, you know, has has upside momentum at the right here if those talks continue. Because I think the geopolitical stuff uh, today, tomorrow is going to drive the conversation because they keep saying we're close, we're close, we're close. But you know what? They were saying that you know they they could say that till the cows come home. Why? Uh, just real quick, because we didn't get into it. I mean, the details aren't all out, but the the budget yesterday and the all the tax proposals. Kenny, why do you, why do you need a special rate tax for for rich people? Why don't you just make them pay regular like everybody else? Exactly the point. Why are you doing this special? Just give them, just make them, give them the rate that they should be paying. Right. Yeah. Why, why, why don't you why don't you just make them pay the rate? To, and explain this to me, a guy. I won't say you're less of a dinosaur than me. Why don't corporations pay the same rate as other people? Why doesn't everybody pay the same rate? 
and just you get to deduct dividends. And the person who picks up the dividend, he pays on his end. Why, why, why can't we do it? Are, are we so afraid that the company might actually give money to to little people and not just buy stock back for the big people? Or what, why can't we just do that? It, to me, that's so easy. It's 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 right there in front of our face. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's too simple, right? That, you're being too logical. Well, yeah, you don't want to do that. Well, you have a nice week, buddy. Uh, uh, we'll talk at you uh, next week. I'm always look always look forward to it. SP Futures now at 26, and the SP Futures up 100. Let's put the whip to it. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. If you got the money, honey, I've got the time. We'll go hunkin' that. We're gonna have Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. She's Eliani on the board. Uh, doing a good job this morning with the phones having some issues, but we're still getting everybody here. SP Futures up 28. SP Futures up 110. As uh, we keep getting some optimism on these Ukraine-Russian talks, and that would surely be nice. Uh, I was, anybody listened last Friday, Angelica was on, and things are pretty lousy over there. I don't know when they were, even if it stopped today, it would be a long time before people are back to normal, but it would be a step in the right direction if we stopped shooting at everybody. Do we have uh, young Nancy? Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. What uh, what what is the uh, how are things on the on the south side? Um, how are your dogs happy that Audrey's dog is not there anymore? Um, you know, that's that's they are. I mean, but <laughs> she brings them over to run in the backyard, and everybody's getting to know each other better. So it's all going to work out. All going to work out. Just uh, yes, it will. Oh God. 
What's going on in the? Uh, uh, should we say there's been a change in the? Uh, in the? Uh, oh my! In the more what? what about, is, what's going yeah, how about on? About we're in DefCon Five. Uh, everybody's scram- trying to scramble in at the last minute, or what? What's going on? You know what? Most of the people, the refi market's gone. Let's put, let's put it that way. That's that's done and over with. And now all there is is purchases. So there's, if there's a you know three hundred thousand piece pie, it's down to like you know five thousand people. It's just going to be the purchase people left. Have you seen any any price movement? My uh, one of the guys I work with at one of the firms I do business with is. Uh, he lives somewhere in Carolina. Uh, I, I keep, you know, keep asking where the hell it is, but uh, the uh, so he um, he's been trying to find a house, trying to find a house, and there, and there aren't very many. And of course, a lot of people have moved from New York and other places, so the prices are up, 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 and there were bidding wars for him. He said in the last two weeks, somebody was having trouble selling their house, thinking it was going to be a bidding war, and it came down like fifty grand to sell. Of course, it had gone up, you know, one hundred and fifty in the last year or two. And uh, now all of a sudden, everybody's dropping theirs. It's dropping like real quick just to try and get, you know, somebody to sell because they they had buyers, but they kept pushing the price up, so they never sold them. Now they have to sell them when everybody's. This is one area, and it might be ten places. But are are we going to see that here? Or you think or no? I haven't seen that yet. But what I've seen is that people just don't qualify anymore. I mean, the same person that could get a three percent rate is now going to get like in the fives and. You know, they're not going to qualify anymore, so people are not realizing um, what they're doing. I mean, the sellers, it's a seller's market, but, and there's low inventory, but the seller keeps thinking, you know, I want to get the, I want to get everybody, 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 and um, because of the way things are, I mean, back in 2008, all these homes devalued, so it's start. the cycle is starting, it's just where is it going to end up? It doesn't mean you shouldn't try, but you should, the seller should start considering these offers and saying, you know what, I should really just go with a, a reasonable offer and let it go. Because if the appraisal doesn't appraise up, the deal can't go through anyway. Well, that's what, what is that? Uh, paying cash. You know, unless they're willing to pay cash over the difference. Well, I'm going to say that I've talked to enough people that have used you, and I've known you for a while. You're about as straight as they come. When things are going like this in the mortgage stuff, and somebody has a what they think is a deal from somebody who maybe advertises, I'm not saying those guys are bad, but there's a lot of I use the term fly by night mortgage people hanging around, wouldn't you say? I mean, uh, absolutely. They give our their our industry is a very bad name, very bad rap for people who feel they got ripped off, didn't understand the process, did not understand what all the fees were going to be, and um, people have to understand. Uh, like when you go FHA, um, my nephew kept saying to me, "Well, I got three percent rate. I got three percent rate. I got three percent rate." Well, you you did you did have a three percent rate, but you also had point eight five percent in um, MIP, which is their private mortgage insurance that never drops off um, or cannot drop off till the eleventh year if you put ten percent down or more. Um, if you put less, it never drops off. It's for life of loan. So his rate is three point eight five. And then when I pointed that out, he was like, what? Yeah. And, you know, and he's all pissed off. So people do not understand the mortgage process. And I try to educate my customer. This is what it's going to be. This is... So they understand and they don't come back and are very upset at the end of the day. 
You know, um, and I tell them where the pitfalls are um, because I don't want to sugarcoat it. Because I, I have a very loyal business, and if you don't tell people the truth, the loyalty is just gone. Well, when the rates are running up this fast, how many people get caught where they think they have a commitment at three, and now it's eh? I tell people that um, if, as soon as you get the contract, we need to lock it. I'm actually, if I'm pre-approving somebody, I'm putting in a rate of five and a half so that there's some leeway for them to get the contract. And, you know, there's, there's a waiting period. Everybody wants a bidding more that they may or may not ever get. So I have one of those right now where the um, the uh, per- the buyer made an offer yesterday for 5000 over than the all houses on the block sold for, and she doesn't even have to put it up for sale. And the woman said, no, I want the bidding more. Really? But see, then you're, you're, yeah. And I, it's not a good idea because if we can lock in the rate today, it's going to be different than what it's going to be when she wants to put it on the market April 10th. I mean, it's, it's, those are two different, it sounds crazy, but it's two different things. You'd be so much better off if the woman would just realize this is a good deal. Or if she doesn't want, if she doesn't want what he offered, then go at my buyer offered, then, then counter something higher. I'm, uh, because the appraisal is going to sort it all out anyways. As, as somebody who, uh, as you well know, spent 20 years on the trading floor, meaning me, this whole mm-hmm. concept of this, this bidding war thing, I, I, I cannot get my arms around it. <laughs> it's like, it's like me understanding, you know, I don't know, bacon cookies or something. I, I'll, I'll just never get there. I don't, somewhere, I mean, and Audrey seems to be exceptionally good at determining which ones you should just list at a price and which ones you should, you should, uh, go into the bidding war. I have no idea how she makes that determination. It must be something in the, the, the other X chromosome or something, but I mean, I, I cannot, and she's, she's a master at it. And, uh, this whole idea of where, where somebody says, well, how, hey, how much, Nancy, how much you want for your house? 500 grand. All right, I'll give you 500 grand. Well, wait a minute. I can't, I can't do that. I gotta go for bidding work. You just, you just, we just made a trade. What's <laughs> in my world? I know. I understand. And that's what I would tell people to do. I really would. I would tell them, "Hey, look, you've got to understand what you're going. What's at risk here?" And um, people have to. People want to make their own decisions. So um, I'm going to tell my buyer to keep looking in that area, or I'm going to, you know, send out a flyer. What people don't realize is real estate agents can send out a flyer to the area, or at least Audrey would, and say, "Is are, is anyone interested in selling your home?" Because somebody will be interested for that price. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, that's that's what happened at my place in Beverly. Real estate lady who sold it to me called up and said these people are looking for a Beverly house with two lots, and they're willing to pay. I forget what it even was two thirty or something. I just paid like one seventy five, and I said, "Sure, I'll sell it." And uh, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, you know, but at the time, well, I'm like, okay. I mean, uh, you know, there was a uh, it was a big place, and I had remodeled it, and it was you know, and I wouldn't plan on living there forever. But I guess I should have. I mean. uh but it was, you know, it was a nice deal. But yeah, but you wonder right. how, but how quickly? I mean, I uh, is a quick story because we're gonna have you. Can you hang in there for an hour, or are you just a half hour girl today? No, I can hang in for an hour. Okay, sir. great. Uh, we have uh, we have um, the uh, the no. I guess nobody, unless you've been through it, it's not like 
I mean, it's not like I, you know, I, I, you know, I read a flyer once and know all about this stuff. The things on the air that I talk about that I, I absolutely am sure about are stuff that I actually went through and felt. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, I was there when the rates went from 8% to 14 and I had a bridge loan and I'm going, oh my God. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, the, uh, well, the, the building we were talking about, uh, my old girlfriend at the time, still friend, we were in the remodeling business together, Robin. We bought this condo up on, uh, there were, remember when the, the condo craze in the, in the late 70s? I mean, yeah. you, you might be too young, but there was, there were, there were several iterations of condo crazes, right? First, when they first came out, and then, then they kind of sold off, then they came back again. Well, there was American Invesco, the guys that got, uh, Lake Point Tower to go condo finally, uh, when a couple of people before them couldn't. Actually, I'm not so sure they were the ones that did it. I might remember the people who were after them. A uh, little known story. You might ask yourself, why did Lake Point Tower have so much problem going condo? Well, the original condo was um, you had to own the property, correct, for a place to go condo? In order for the place to go condo, they had to, um, if you, they were renting it, then they had to get the renters out or offer it to them at a right. price. But I'm and saying... They had a vote to do it. But, I mean, you you had to own the land on which it was built. Correct. And in Lake Point Tower, for those that, uh, why you would know, I have no idea, but that was actually built on air rights for the Indiana Harbor Belt Railroad that used to go to Navy Pier. I did not know that. And it was like a 100-year lease. And, of course, now there's no railroad over there at all, so they probably have it by now, but by then they didn't. So they couldn't go kind of, couldn't go kind of, finally somebody... You know, somebody took it. Anyway, they, American Invesco was the big firm, and then there was this outfit called Bruni, which was kind of an up-and-comer. And they they bought this... Uh, remember those places, uh, Nancy? You don't see them anymore. They, they, used to, they used to call them the courtyard buildings? Yes. The apartment yes. where some of them would be one courtyard wide, and then there would be two courtyard wide, and three... Some of them were like a half a block. And they were beautiful apartments. And the buildings would go back, and you have... As you move back from the street, there'd be maybe two or three apartments, and then at the at the back there was like just one. And anyway, there are a lot of them in Marquette Park, uh, as I recall. The these guys bought this place, and it must have been it was a big, huge one. It was on, up right off the lake, and uh, right by on Addison. And uh, okay. and so they they bought it, and they 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 never. The reason why they were so successful is they never once owned two owned another property until they they fully sold out the one before, right? So they never strung themselves out on, a, on, a, on a leverage. So they buy this place, and, uh, you know, they gutted a lot of it, and they, they would sell you either the condo you could fix up yourself, or they would do it for you. There was, there was an improvement package that was real nice, and, you know, but I, I bought one, or Robin and I bought one that was unimproved, and then we did the work and actually made some money on it, except for the... They sold the play. They sold two thirds of it out the first weekend. Imagine that. Okay. So the week after, they said this thing is going so good, uh, we'll buy another place. So they bought another place, and the the week between the next that weekend and the weekend after, I'm going to say the Fed must have gone up two or two and a half percent on on the number on the interest rates. So they ended up not selling that place out for like a year and went belly up. Because they were off oh, by like by like a week or two, so 
when I when I lob this out there, I mean, I, I, and some stuff, I guess I just lob stuff out there by, about sports just to piss off Maddie, but uh, Maddie, whoever. But on the but on this kind of stuff, I mean, I, I'm sat there and watched it. If, if you catch this timing wrong, you're you're in deep doo doo. I mean, if you if you if you go buy a home right now for three hundred thousand that you're going to put a hundred grand in and sell for four fifty, like people been able to do now for fifteen years, you could really get skunked on this if all of a sudden the by the time you get done fin- fixing it up, eight months from now, the interest rates are seven percent. You, you, you're wearing a house, right, Nance? That is correct. That I mean, is correct. That is correct. The, uh, the I mean, it's then, it's stunning how fast it can change, or I've seen it change. Yeah, it it changes within. I had a purchase about two, maybe two weeks ago, and the person got a rate of four and an eight. I mean, it's gone. It's long gone. We're we're close to five, a little bit so, over five. All right, we're, here we are. We're just past St. Patty's Day. We're the, we're the 29th of March. So, on just round numbers, January first, where were we? Um, well, we had the under four. Yeah, I was going to say under four. Yeah, it was like three and a half, wasn't it, or three six? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was still in the threes. Hanging in, and then by you know mid mid February, let's say Valentine's Day, in there it even was a little bit higher. It was four and a quarter, and then the beginning of March it was like four and an eighth, and now we're in the fives. I mean, we're it's just that's what people don't understand. Um, someone else got a rate of three point eight seven five. Did you know different states have different rates? Why is that? I do not know. I don't understand it, but they they do make you put in the in the search engines. They do make you put in what county it's in and the zip code. And I've noticed um, Indiana's rates are different than Illinois' rates. Is that? I mean, I guess the, guess the question is who 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 sets the this is a, this is a loaded question. Who sets the rate? Is it is it what is it the rate? It ought to be in today's world since these things are all bought and sold. It ought to be whatever the market's buying and selling them at, which is bad English, but right. It shouldn't be. I mean, it shouldn't be the the bank's not holding them anymore. It, really. it, no, the bank doesn't hold them anymore. So the agency set the rate, and then the servicer um, puts their rates out there, and then you go looking for bonds that are somewhere in between the two. Like I can sell to Fannie and Freddie direct, and. Um, but their rates are not always the best. Sometimes the, the servicers have a bond that they've purchased and they need to fill it. So all of a sudden, you'll see a different, you know, a different price with a different bond. And I always go looking for those at the end before I lock the person. They could do much better. I will qualify someone higher because I don't have to send them back through underwriting if I lower it. But if I take a low rate and I get them approved, and then they buy the house, and I have to send them back, I send them back through again if it's higher. So I will always go to a higher rate to get them approved. Because if you're approved at the higher rate, you're going to be approved at the lower rate. That's just logic. Well, do the people buying the bonds, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't know who the, the end user are for those things, but do, do they understand that when, that when it, it's not, let's put it this way, it's not, it's not as good of an investment as it seems. And, and the reason why I say this is, uh, Take take the Fed for instance. Take take the Fed, Nance. Take them. You can have them. Uh, <laughs> take, <laughs> take the Fed for instance. They they've been buying bonds at uh, you know 
mortgage when they first started buying the mortgage stuff, it was uh, you know in the two thousand and eight, right? And, and the rates were higher. So yeah, they they I think they took over Fannie and Freddie right around yeah. that time. So they're, so they're going to get a big runoff is every time somebody. I guess I'll, I'll start from the top here. If if you uh, if the Fed goes out and buys a thirty year bond, all right, a thirty year mm-hmm. bond which includes what's well, either a, a package of mortgage or it's a, it's it's something that's actually packaged into a bond, correct? One one or the other. Yes. So yes. you go out. So say somebody, I use the term bundles. Somebody bundles up a thousand mortgages, okay, and you think you're going to get six and a half percent for thirty years. Well. Mm-hmm. You you obviously know. They'll call somebody like you, and they'll say, "Hey, Nance. By the way, what, what's what's the average time that in steady interest rates? What's the average time somebody stays in a house before they buy a bigger house? Before they they get transfer? Before you know the, the wife kicks them out or they kick the whatever? whatever all kinds of stuff that happens to people. What, what's the what's the average time? It's about pe- three years. It's a, it's down to three. I was going to say five and a half or seven. It's down to three? It's now, it's now, and see, I'm telling people, if you buy something, now, you have to understand, you could be stuck there for seven years, so you better make sure you really like it. There's no getting here and saying, I'm not, I don't really care for this, i got to get out. Well, I mean, just, just in terms of up to themselves and not the market, if the rate stayed steady and it was not a, was not a consideration at all, just, just in terms of demographics, what's, what's the average life of somebody living in a house. I, I thought it was like five and a half. You're saying it's less than that? Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's well, it's le- it's about three years before they refi. Refi or move. Okay, well, I'm saying take the refi out of the picture. If it's just move, what do you think it is? Uh, like closer to what you're saying, five and a half, five, somewhere in there. Okay, so... No loan really lasts more than seven years. They're on their way to something else. Okay. Well, unless, you know, unless it's somebody from our generation that buys a place when they're 30 and they're still there. Correct. There's some of those. People just remodel it or make it nicer and they're very happy. Uh, but I guess where, I'm, where I'm going with this is if you have that bond at 6 and you think you're going to make 6% for 30 years, you know, get a grip. Because if the rates are going down, people are going to refinance and you're going to you're going to be played out at the end of, could be like you say, 3, 4. As soon as somebody refinances, you're going to get a check. So the the right. the, the, the Mortgages that the Fed bought early on, they're 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 running off the board, the, the runoff, right? So that's why they have to keep buying more just to keep the number the same. But the ones they they have bought in the last year or two, if they're in the three to three and a half percent range, and now the rates are six, they're wearing those for as long as people can hang in there, right? That is correct, and that's 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 why this is going to be dicey because we don't know what's going to happen with all of that. Like in 2008, they never even had floors on um, home equity line products. And it was just based on prime. So at one point, those loans, those home equity loans were under 2% in 2008. I thought so they banks were, uh, were dying. I thought they were, uh, one, one, actually, one of my, one of my buddies, uh, he has a place in uh, Glen Allen, and he he took the chance and, and going. I bet he. I, I'm thinking Nancy bought the place. His kids are well. His kids are college, so maybe twenty some years ago. I'm gonna say two thousand somewhere in there. He bought when they when the rates were low. He bought uh, something with the with, you know the uh, what do you call it? 
every every you know adjust adjustable rate. Correct. Correct. Seven year bond was a great buy. I don't think it was. I think it was. I think it was less than that. It was like three. But he he was uh, he was geared to LIBOR when there was a LIBOR. Correct. Correct. How did how did how did things ever get geared to LIBOR instead of something here? Because they just they use that market they bought over in Europe. They just use their market. That's all. The LIBOR is no longer available this year. Right. It's been done away with. But the the I sold people LIBOR bonds. Um, the average I would sell is between five and seven, and I think those people got like a good 12, 13 year ride where every year their mortgage went down. Yeah, yeah, this guy did, and uh, and uh, it, but you know, and that clearly was. I mean, it's, it's all timing is everything, right? Uh, yeah. But you know, but there was a time when if you did that, you could be absolutely screwed. I mean, you could be in there. At, well, the, the Fed's going to run a risk now, there, unless people. Do them a favor and move and get divorced or, or die or something. They're they're going to be they're, they're, some of these bonds. They're going to be having forever. There's not going to be a runaway. Correct. And then you got to remember the people the default. All that stuff's got to come out of the bond. Yeah. And be, be set aside and then decided what to do with the loss. So when you're already at two two or three percent and people can't make the payment, you're really going to lose. And there's always people who can't pay. Was it there? Well, there was a some of, some of my. Uh, the guys, you you got to meet a couple of these characters, uh, Nance, because boy, they they could, I'm sure you can tell stories. These guys could maybe tell some other ones. They do the, this mortgage servicing all over the country, right? And right. They, and they've got guys. And it, guy, he'll be sucking on a beer. He goes, "Wait, is here? this guy I talked to today?" And I go, "Oh no, how bad is this?" He goes, "It's bad." He goes, "The guy, the guy is. Uh, he calls up and he says, well, are they extending the payments on eviction because of COVID?'" For another ninety days, and the guy goes, "My guy goes, well, they might." <laughs> he goes, "So I can, I can hang another." He goes, "He says, though, why do you even care? You've had that. You've been living there for five years. You've never once made a payment." <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> goes, so, so, so you, so you think you get to stay in three months because of COVID? <laughs> Which I guess he probably did. I mean, but they haven't, they haven't been booting people out in like a long time. How, how do people, how do people not pay in, in that length of time? They, they just don't care. It's just that, you know, like when I grew up, if your word was your bond, and a handshake was a handshake, and if you, you know, you never went back on your word. Period. People had pride. It just, it's not happening. It's no, just it's not happening right now. Yeah, people, when I tell them, every, tra- every trade, sometimes I'd make 300 trades in a busy day, and all just by word of mouth and by, by trusting somebody, and people look at me like I got 48 heads. You did what? Well, that is correct because it's not done there anymore because everybody's been burned. Well, we never were. I mean, uh, if you, boy, if somebody burned no. you, they lost their career. I mean, if somebody well, was ever dishonest. Right, but they don't. They just don't do that anymore, and and that's part of the problem. Um, everything is so automated that I mean, you can't get. There's no customer service. You, you know, you go into voicemail help. You know, they're, they're the phone tree help, and um, it's just a tough. Way to, I mean, the word is your bond thing. They look at you like, what? Yeah. What does a, that mean? Uh, we have to go break here in a couple of minutes. Yes, we come back. Could you walk us through, uh, the, the current, the current closing and you can't bring a hundred bucks in case like you're off by 50 bucks and all the parts about if your parents give you money, they've got to sign affidavits that it's not a loan. I mean, Correct. and, uh, I mean, how, how all this works plus, uh, 
I, I, I'm stunned because one of my big clients used to be one in the mortgage insurance business. Well, he was an investor in, uh, what was one of the biggest ones? What the hell's the name of the place? Uh, it was on the New York Stock Exchange and he had all his stock in there because he was on the board. Uh, those guys, do, do they ever pay? Mortgage insurance? I mean, I don't know of anybody who's ever, I don't know if it was sold in 2007, 2008. They bought a place for three fifty. Had to go down to two fifty. Got foreclosed on. Where somebody got a check from the mortgage people? I mean, the mortgage insurance. Or, or do do they ever come up with any money? It seems like, and yet everybody's got to buy this insurance. The, the mortgage insurance people do pay up to the. the uh, they only insure the twenty percent that you should have put down. But they didn't. Then, uh, but on, on, on the levels of which places were being foreclosed, they, I mean, one of the companies was at the. Countrywide, didn't didn't those guys insure uh, like forty percent of all the mortgages in California? I mean, they didn't pay those. No, no, Countrywide is um, private mortgage insurance. There's there's companies that just do that. Countrywide was a servicer, and they made Bank of America. Oh, I'm sorry, they, was, the Fed. It was AIG. take them. I'm sorry, it was AIG. And it, it, there's no way AIG paid. 20% of, of, of 40% of the houses in California. I mean, nobody's got that kind of money. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they must have reneged on most of it. They should have had an insurance policy to back that up. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying, I, I I don't know of anybody of, of the people that, of, you know, through, uh, you know, Audrey or, or you or anybody that said, oh, yeah, in 2008, you know, Joe had this place and he lost 50 grand, but, but the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the bank was made whole by fifty grand from the. I, I, I don't know if anybody who ever got involved. I don't. I. I can't answer. I can't answer that because I don't know enough about it. But I know that if AIG did it, they ha- they should have had insurance to cover it. But um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are supposed to back those loans in California. And what they started doing, the losses were so huge, they went back to people like me and said, here, you did this loan, you have to buy it back. Ugh. And then, even if I hired lawyers, let's just say, you know what I mean? It, like, they said, look, you may be, you're 100% right, but if you don't buy it back, you'll wind up fighting it, you'll spend more in fees. The beauty of our legal system. You'll pay us more than if you just would have taken it back. The beauty of our legal system. We'll we'll be right back, Nancy. S&P futures up 39 now, 40. We're putting the whip to it. Nancy futures up 164. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is $7.99 
online on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Up 40 now, and as if you're just up 170. A big, big turn here, both in the market. It was up when we came in, but now, now it's really up. Uh, Dow futures up 232. There must be some optimi- optimism going on in these, uh, peace talks, and I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, DAX up 408 now, 2.8%, so everybody, everybody's getting a sniff of something good. FTSE up 100, 1.3%, CAC around up 229, 3.5, so everything is, everything is to the moon here, Alice. Uh, Nikkei or over in Asia, obviously they're not, they're, they're close, they're not, being dealt, dealing with this. Nikkei up 308 anyway. It was 1.1%. Shanghai down 10.3%. Hang Seng up 242, 1.1. Uh, the bonds, we've got, uh, 2.47. are actually down a little bit from where they were a minute ago or an hour ago. The Bund 0.67. They're up a bunch, even though ours aren't. It's up eight, it's almost nine basis points. That's a big move. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil, here's where the number is. I think we had it earlier, an hour ago. We had it, we, earlier we had it up. Well, now it's down 543. Hundred dollars and fifty three cents. There's a big drop down here in oil. Brent down five seventy seven, one oh six seventy one. Again, this is has to be related to these peace talks. Natural gas down eighteen cents, five thirty five. Our Bob down a whole dime, three point one two. Uh we've got gold down forty four dollars is a flight away from quality there. Nineteen hundred bucks is barely at nineteen hundred bucks. Silver down seventy nine cents, twenty four forty, copper down two cents, four seventy. It'd be nice. Eliana, do you get this news before everybody else does, like somebody seems to always get? Hmm, uh, maybe. Bitcoin, however, 48000 down 7 bucks. Quiet today, but 48000 What do you got for us, traffic, weather, sports? A lot of stuff going on here this morning. Yeah, kind of a bit hectic on the highways this morning, but what else is new? It's Chicago. Um, let's start with sports. Uh, well, first of all, currently 7.35 a.m. on March 29th. That's important. And looking at the NBA... 
Bulls lose to the Knicks, 104-109. And looking at hockey, Blackhawks lost to Sabres last night, 5-6. Coyotes destroyed by the Oilers last night, 1-6. Looking at weather in Chicago, currently cloudy, 30. Look forward to some rain later in the day with a high of 41 and a low of 28. And Phoenix, partly cloudy, 57. Look forward to some uh, showers later in the day with a high of 68, low of 55. All right, on to traffic. Here we go. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 all the way to downtown approaching the 290-90-94 construction intersect, so look forward to that. Traffic westbound on 290 between Laramie and 17th. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 North Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Cumberland. We have traffic eastbound on I-94 between Tui and Canal Port. Traffic westbound on I-94 between 130th West Division. We have traffic northbound on 55 uh, between Route 45 and South Damon. Traffic northbound on 294 between Irving and Roosevelt. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 31st and East Grand. Traffic southbound Lakeshore between Chicago and East McFetteridge. And finally, traffic northbound on I-57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. Be careful driving, everybody. Back to you, Chief. Um, there's a, another story here this morning. United Health to buy... LHC Group for $5.4 billion. They are, uh, they have a whole bunch of locations. They do more home health care. Um, I'm going to say that we need another combination in the health care business about as much as we need a hemorrhoid. Is that, is that, uh, that's aggressive. That's aggressive. <laughs> Nance, what do you think about that? Is it been, or am I a little over the top there? Just a hair. I don't know. I'm just saying we don't, we don't need any more combinations in the health care industry. We've got enough. Just saying. Um, got enough here. I don't know if it's got enough around the country, but. Well, you ever heard of these guys? LHC no. Group provides in home health and hospice care to patients dealing with injuries, illnesses, or chronic conditions. I guess if you're in hospice, that must be chronic. The Lafayette, Louisiana company has 964 locations. Wow. In 37 states. They're pretty good size. Now, it seems to yeah. me that it seems to me they're big enough to go on their own, don't you think? They don't need somebody That's else right. buying them. Just saying. So. Nance, walk us through a mortgage. I mean, uh, when, when Maddie Weber bought his place, he was telling me about affidavit from this person, that person. They're grilling about where he got the money. And I mean, who, who gets to grill? I mean, why why, uh, why do people get to grill people about this kind of stuff? Nobody ever nobody ever nobody ever grills people that have money. They are big shots. Nobody grills senators or representatives. Why, why do we get to grill everybody else? Well, the, the rules have changed since. 2000, the whole 2008 tobacco. So, if it is purchased, um, the party gifting the money must sign a gift letter furnished by the origin, the lender, and the gifter must show two months of bank statement as to where the money came from. And that's not really a mortgage rule, that's a money laundry rule. So, uh-huh. in order to comply with the money laundry rulings, we have to have proof that we source where that money came from. Because um, it can, it's a it's a way for people to money launder. So the, the average and person who buys a house is a money launderer. Well, we don't know that. Uh, so we're but you got to remember if these loans go bad and we have to buy them back, they can use that as an excuse as that wasn't in the file, and then I have to buy it back. I so guess. it's it's got more to do with. It's got nothing to do with the person you're working with. You're just saying, hey, look, this is the rule, and I don't want to have to buy back your loan. I love you, but I don't want to have to buy it back 
you know, six years from now, if you wind up losing your job and you don't pay or you just don't feel like paying because you want a lower rate, um, or some kind of, like, this, this HARP thing that they had where they refinanced you, um, if, if not in there, which had nothing to do with anything, right? Had no reason why the loan went bad. I, I could have to buy that loan back with my own money. I don't... And uh, I service that loan on my own. But now, now oh, who's, who makes that rule and why isn't he being... Uh, hanging from the L tracks. Uh, the, some commission made it. You know, they had an, a, a um, government committee that came up with all these rules, so that people uh, do not. Um, basically, the government can. And how, how do you fight that? I don't. I don't know, but do it, it? it's reaching a point that we're going to have to. Well, maybe, but. I mean, I still have to make a living. So I understand. I, I understand. To do it. I have to do it. Why? Well, I mean, in our, in our neck of the woods on the security side, every time somebody opens an account, we have to check. We're checking Interpol. We're checking this. We're checking all kinds of stuff for somebody. Why? When, what, so, so the uh, so the FBI could chase politicians for uh, for their own ag- self aggrandizement, or I mean, what? Well, why? Why is this? Your job. Somebody walks in with a check. Why is it your business to find out where they got the money? Because when I, f- I fund the loan, I fund the loan, so then I take responsibility for that loan for the rest of the, the loan's life. Well, so somebody's forcing you to. I mean, that's that is correct. It's not me. I mean, but if I don't do it, I mean, I could wind up. Let's say I just say this is ridiculous. So I don't want to do it, and I don't do it. And something goes wrong with that loan, then I will have to buy it back. Um, I have to take the property back, and then I have to find a way to either get a renter in there. I mean, I have to find a way after that to make it work. I have to resell the house, take the loss. So why would you want to do that? Well, I guess it is. this has nothing to do with, I mean, we do the same thing here. <laughs> we, we, we are very sticklers for doing everything the rules say. doesn't mean right. we like him, or it doesn't mean that the person who made the rules shouldn't be thrown out of government and then, you know, and deported. Uh, you know, I mean, it's correct. I mean, the idea that you we're forcing law enforcement down onto private citizens instead of doing it ourselves in that area, I just I can't fathom. And then you look at things like I don't know if you if you notice you don't because you're you, you probably have a you know a better thought process in your brain than me. I mean, right now, if you do any business with Russia, you could be in trouble. Correct? They're talking about people that go go around the. Uh, Sanctions and so forth and stuff. How are we going to go get them? I mean, reading all these headlines, and yet, yeah, yet, I know what you're talking about. But I, I people, if people still do it, I mean, that's well, that's, but, the, uh, that's the risk they take. But but somebody over there, uh, two weeks ago, I don't know if you were reading the part about uh, the Russians had to make a hundred million dollar payment, interest payment, and loans. Now, okay. the, that money is coming here to somebody. Miraculously, that was allowed to come through. So, <laughs> you know, it's like who who gets to write these rules, and who do they? And the the idea that that uh, that if if I have you know fifty grand in a bank, that I have to prove to somebody how I got it. I mean, okay, I, I work every week, I, I live on four hundred hours, and I put two hundred hours in the bank. That's how I got it. I mean, I don't understand why it's anybody's job if there's no hint of me being a thief or anything like that. Why I have to explain it to somebody? I have no idea. I, I, I mean, I'm not. I, I, I'm doing this. I would do the same thing you did, do, and Audrey does the same thing, making sure in her 
But the point is, these rules just keep popping up. And so one of these days, we have to say no more, no mas. Remember, remember the no mas? Who was that? I have no idea. You're not a boxing follower. That was fist of no. stone. When he went, when it came to like the fifth round and he was supposed to go out in the ring, he said, no mas, no more. No mas. No mas. <laughs> the, I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, a lot of this is all Dad Frank, right? Yes, it is, it is, it's all Dad Frank. And there's nothing, I mean, if you want to keep your license, you have to do it. And there's no, um, I mean, let's, I, like, I'll give you an example. I funded a loan where I got the two months of statements and I got, and then you also have to get the check that the person, um, gave to, to fund it, right? Well, the, it was, I got caught in a situation where the mother gave her, her son and his family $10,000 for Christmas. And it says right on the check, Merry Christmas. So, to me, that is not part of the gift fund. It's $10,000 that she gave them as a Christmas gift, right? And that's, and that's under the yearly gift. You can give somebody ten grand every year and it's not a problem. Right, it's not a problem. So, I... I funded the loan with my own money, and um, when I went to sell it into the bond, they said, "Oh no, this ten grand is a gift." And I said, "Well, it's a Christmas gift. I mean, it doesn't fall under any of these rules under Dodd Frank." And it was such an argument that I wound up having to take the loan, sell it to another lender, and take a loss because the rate had changed by then and gone up. It's a- so. And, and a customer doesn't even know, right? But you have to, that's what you, I mean, I gave him my word, I funded the loan, I can't go back to him and say, oops, you know, but what, but contract I mean, to contract. What, what percentage of mortgages in the last 100 years in this country don't involve, well, a lot of them don't, but, but how many how many involve some sort of gift from the parents? 50%, 40 I, Yeah, I would say. Mm-hmm. So why, why, why is that a problem? It isn't. Now it has to, under John Frank, it has to be a relative during the 2008 debacle. It could have been anybody who was gifting them the money. Now it has to be a relative? It has to be a relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't give you the money because I'm not your relative. Uh, now, why would anybody even think of something like that? Just because they have to, I guess they had an awful lot of money laundering. I don't, even, yeah, I don't even understand the the significance of this. Plus, now we're going to end up going with a cashless society. And according I, to me, yeah, we were talking about that yesterday, and that to me, I mean, all the um, under thirty kids people think it's um, great, and to me, I just see it that this cashless thing is not a good idea long term. Well, Mr. I know where you spend all your money. Well, Mr. Weber is actually an expert on this because he works for a firm that does internet uh, uh, credit card security. And, okay. And he says the, the firms that now run this security and, and actually are the, that, that do all the, the actual uh, back office stuff for the Visa and all these other places, because they are, they're now the most powerful countries, companies in the world. Nobody knows who they are. They make so much dough and they know absolutely what everybody's doing all over the place and have so much information that it's, it's scary. And they make the fees they make on this stuff is off the chart. And everybody, I mean, uh, I mean, if, if, if you know, if, if Nancy's mortgage got big enough, the first thing you want to do is have your own Visa card because you make dawn. 
It's it, it's it's mm-hmm. sponsor these cards. I mean, it's just. Well, so I went to the Orland Bakery of all places on on Sunday morning, which I swore I was never going back to because I, I can't handle the, the craziness inside because of COVID. But they do have great donuts. Um, so I go in and, and of course you finally make it up to the cashier, and I put down twenty bucks. She looks at me. And she goes, "Oh, cash." And I go, well, yeah. These are donuts. We're not talking about, you know, buying a sofa. And, uh, and she goes, well, I gotta go get changed somewhere. I don't know where she went. <laughs> she comes back with my eight bucks change. I'm like, God, sorry to mess you up, mess up your day, but I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Why everybody has to let everybody else know everything they're doing. It's just kind of weird for me, but just saying. Because it's, it's what the, the technology they're developing and then it, I, I don't understand it myself. I'm with you. I don't think this is a good idea. I mean, a lot of people pay cash and then no one, they fly under the radar. Uh, um, let's just say I make uh, my sister's house payment. She falls into hard times and I say, okay, to help you out, I'm just going to make her house payment for three years. Does that mean she doesn't get to deduct her taxes on her tax return because I made the um, tax payment for her? I'm going to say that if you gave her the money and she used it for the house payment, she gets to deduct it. Right, but if I paid it out of my bank account, uh, and they, they know it. That's kind of a... You know what uh, I'm saying? Well, first of all, if, she's not, if she doesn't have enough income to pay her mortgage, she probably doesn't need a deduction. <laughs> well, not, not always, but I'm just saying, it's just that's what you're exposing yourself to and people don't even realize. Well, according to Mr. Weber, 90% of all the money stolen now, in total, is stolen online. So the idea that since everything online is safer is crazy because it's it's not. I would agree with you. That's why the only I, I have one. Get a lot of you know you know how I am with uh, phones and electronics. I have one app on my phone. It's for the parking meter app because you absolutely do not put your credit card in the parking meter. Correct. I even have a parking meter app. And uh, but he said that's the only one I have. He said you don't want to put in your credit card. He got. He got his uh, credit card uh, piled into it with a triple tap. Somebody went in there and put one of those things in there years ago with the ATM machine. So, what is your answer to all of this? I, I think that people have to they have to find a way that the, your, your your cash is freedom. I mean, the reason why this Bitcoin, these other things, I mean, they're they're, they're useless inform. I mean, they're they're not currency, they're not anything. But somebody senses the need. Of another way to pay people going forward, where everybody doesn't look at everything you do, and uh, you know, I, I, I think that, and plus the fiat currencies. I mean, we're degrading the dollar by the day here, so it's. I mean, I, I think we just need people in charge that that don't spend their whole day trying to find ways to to nose into people's business. I mean, it's. And well, there, if, there's going to be. Would you run a, for president? For me, would I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, these are good ideas. Would you actually run? Well. Let me ask you this: How would how would you even go about running as a third party? One time, well, I, 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 I would have, have to put you in a party and then get you to run. But I'm okay. saying, if you had the opportunity to do it, like Obama came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, if we just said that Tom Howe has all these ideas, we're behind him, and we got this great big following. You'd have to have a. Mar- you'd have to have. Answer. You'd have to have an, to do it effectively. I mean, unlike unlike Trump, and that has nothing to do with personality. I think you'd need at least five to ten people running with you for the Senate that year, and maybe thirty or forty people running in your party for 
the Congress. You'd have to mm-hmm. have for how you need a whole. I'll use the term movement. It wouldn't just be one person because I think you could totally be ignored for four years. I mean, okay. e- even if, even if Trump had a personality that wasn't as abrasive as it was, I don't know that he would have made any progress in Washington. They would have just waited him out because he doesn't have the rest of it. Behind he doesn't him. have the rest of it behind him, and uh, and uh, he, he couldn't get you know he he didn't control Congress. He didn't. Well, even though he had the Republicans in there for a while, but it's it's not you, you need to have a lot of people behind you. And the hard part is because I, I sort of did this, Nance. I ran ran for an outside for the board at the uh, CBOE. And it's not mm-hmm. about whether you get elected or not. It's about the perceived support people think you have behind you. If they think you're up there naked. You're just up there naked. I mean, you're just one guy talking. You're you're like Bernie Sanders. You know, I mean, he, okay. he talks he talks all he wants, but he doesn't get anywhere. You know. And, I, and I, I would never want to be that guy. I mean, if, if I was going to do something, I'd want to do it, right? I mean, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm going to, I, agree. I mean, if I'm going to manage your money, I'm making the trades, right? I mean, I'm not going to have. Right. I mean, your words, your work. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You're either in or you're out. And uh, so, but you you need a lot of people behind you, and you'd have you'd have the uh, you'd have to have the threat that. It, by the way, Joe, if if you don't follow us on this that everybody seems to want to do countrywide if you don't follow it guess what your name is going to be up there and we're running somebody against you next time and that you'd have to have some sense of people that you that your group is going to be around a while that the day you're gone you know because everybody gets old the day you're gone it just doesn't all disappear and i think that's that's part of the I mean, that's and to do that is a massive undertaking it's a massive undertaking i don't i don't know how you get there and one one day, I actually uh, on a very snowy Saturday morning, and somebody was somebody asked the question on the show: "What does it take to become a third party?" God, Nance, I went I went through a, three or four states, and I gave up just to be on the ballot. You know, because the, the Democrats, Republicans get on, and they they can do it really, really easily. You know, and I don't even think they need petitions. Somebody else, you need X number of petitions, and of course, somebody's going to say that they're wrong. You missed a comma between the. You know, the city and the state, so the petition's wrong, or they're going to say, you know, Audrey signed the petition, she doesn't really live in Illinois, she lives in Indiana. Whatever it is, you're, you're going to mm-hmm. fight this battle every single state. I think, I, you know, I go back and forth on this because some of the listeners tell me I'm wrong. I think that that last election, but the election before, was the, was the first time, with the possible exception of, uh, Who's the guy who ran when uh, Clinton and Bush ran? What the hell is his name? The guy from uh, the electronics firm, the guy with the big ears. Uh, uh, oh, you know what I'm talking I about. Don't but uh, I, don't, I, I, mean, I don't. I don't think there's been if there's been one or two elections where a third party's been on all fifty states. I'd be stunned. It's impossible to do. Some states you got to you've got to come up with. Uh, you got to be registered and get petitions just to be considered a write-in. I mean, they they make it absolutely impossible, and that's why you end up with Joe Biden running. That's why you end up with, I mean, like my mom, uh, she always had an interesting, dry sense of humor. Again, where do I get it from? I mean, uh, when when Bush ran against Kerry, having breakfast, she goes, "I don't get it. There's three hundred and some million people in this country. Why do we have two people running that are C students, and they both laid naked in a, in a coffin looking up at dead animals at the was it the Skull and Bone Society?" He goes, can't we find anybody else? <laughs> you know, the fact is, you, you can't get there, and, it, and it's and it's almost to the point in answer. I don't think the people in office, by any stretch, are the people pulling the strings. I mean, 
the people telling Jerome Powell to not let this market go down, I don't think that's Biden. I mean, uh, it, it could be, but I doubt it. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, so you, you wonder who is the who is the power base? I mean, it used to be the big families, the Cabots and the Lodges and the Bushes and those, those kinds of people. I mean, you you think it was anyway. I mean, at least that's what people thought. I don't know who it is now, but it's these big firms. It's probably the big firms. That you know, the people that have the. I mean, look at look at what Pfizer's done to the to the whether you're you're pro-vax, non-vax. You know, the last thing you want is a firm in in the, up up your skirt that much. I use a nasty term, right? You don't you don't want somebody always up your skirt. I mean, and they they've been doing every study, they've been doing everything. They're they're way too close to the FCC to the uh, uh, the people doing making the uh, CDC and those kinds of people. I think. I mean, they, they have no business being there. Nancy, it should be more of an arm's length transaction. But they went to them and asked them to develop something. Well, they went to, they went to se- you can't blame how they got there. Well, they, they they gave money to seven companies to do the vaccines, mm-hmm. and only two or three of them got approved. Uh, these guys, the uh, was the uh, what Moderna, and who was the other? Was it was it well, AstraZeneca? Never got approved here, did it? They just used that in no. Europe. The only, the only two that we approved are Moderna. Pfizer and the Johnson Johnson, which has been kind of recalled. Yeah, it's been. It's been uh, but I haven't seen one. Those uh, AstraZeneca and stuff that was approved in Europe, I believe. Yeah, and I don't. Companies were approved. But, but now the rest of them. What are the chances of a new one getting approved tomorrow? I mean, Pfizer's all over this. You can't get there from here. You can't. I mean, those guys. They're they're so in tight with everybody. I mean, I you know. They're I, ahead of the game. Well, they. But how do you get ahead of it? Are you are, you, are they ahead because they're. It's it's totally they're better than anybody else, or are they or are they just now, uh, you know? Well, hey, we don't need another temporary approval. We already got one. What do we need another one for? I mean, you you can't you can't assume they're not making these kinds of arguments. So they're in. They're in like a tick on a dog. Well, that's true, and I think what's going to happen is like um, I think there's a lot of smaller places to trying to develop a pill that'll work, you know, as a booster. I'll bet, you an, a, adult, I'll um, bet you an adult you know, beverage. And I believe, yeah. like, um, they'll wind up buying like, something like a backpack, Um something like that, to try and keep... But that's the American way. I mean... Well, it, it didn't did used to be. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Well, that, that, that's... Well, that's one of my... I only have a couple of minutes to answer, but that's one of my, my major... Actually, I was talking to some people last night, and I said, you know, on, on a level, on a national level, we have to understand that somebody who's smart enough, and the first firm to do it, I think, was Forest Labs, set themselves up overseas, even though they were they were uh, doing business here, right, and paid mm-hmm. taxes way less than everybody else for a period of twenty five years. That's they're they're never coming back. The person who actually not when I say never coming back, not physically, the person who paid taxes here and did it. I'll use the term the right way. There's no way that firm ever competes against somebody who cheated for 25, 30 years. They're just so much bigger, so much. Every time there's a bidding war, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bidding with 95% of my earnings and you're bidding with 70 out of yours because you paid the rest of the government. You can't let that happen, Nance, because then you end up with this, with what we have now. We have, this, this is a very fascist system. Every industry has two or three, two or three, uh, firms with their nose firmly up the ass of government. That, that's, that's that's fascist esque, right? I mean, you can name the industries all the way up and down the line, and we're going to end up here in Chicago. We're going to have, have three hospital groups, you know, firmly up the nose of, of the state or of the state with the insurance companies. 
How, how, I mean, well, that was caused by the insurance company. Well, yeah. What I'm saying, it mm-hmm. continues to go on and on. Anyway, thank you very much. So, Nance, what, what's your hey, prediction for... I'm going to uh, answer your question. Um, your guy was Ross Perot. That's right. Of it. I remember the years. And he, he, had a, he had a house yeah. in Bermuda. He had his escape package. He and his sons all had houses in Bermuda. <laughs> Isn't that scary? Uh, yeah, it is. All right, what's your prediction? What, what are the rates going to be uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve? We'll have, a, we'll have champagne, and you're going to... What are the rates going to be? Uh, 6%. Really? You know what? You're the only person other than me that has that number. Everybody else thinks... You know, by the by, That's scary. Know. One January 31st, it will be 6%, Tom. Oh, well, be well, we'll have an adult beverage anyway, but will you give us a reason? And plus, I'd like it much better if you were buying, you know, type of thing. Just saying. Yeah. Right. Like, we just get there New Year's Eve. Let's go to Disney World. Oh, God. You, you couldn't get me there. 150 bucks a day to stand in line. I don't even like rides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with Audrey. I'll, I'll stay in a hotel by the swimming pool. And you, you like the food. At Disney World? Oh, my God. Tom, the, the country's food is really good. All right. Well, I suppose it's, I would. It's amazing. I'll go it's down amazing. And, I just keep, my brother just goes for the food. He just, I mean, oh, God. I think I'll go to Disney World so I can eat. <laughs> Take care of yourself. <laughs> See you this weekend. Hopefully, SP Futures. We're up 36. We were up 40, but we're up there pretty good. NASDAQ Futures up 167. Eliani, good job with the phones going crazy. Back Thank tomorrow, you. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I feel so unsatisfied.